I'm Colleen Shaddix for the Connecticut Health Investigative Team, and this is The Workup, an occasional series of podcasts exploring health issues that concern you. It's a Friday at Fellowship Place. People are playing pool or just chatting in the common room as the afternoon sun streams in. The New Haven organization provides opportunities for people with mental illness to socialize. One of the best ways to get people engaged with others is to help them quit smoking. It was hard for me to have relationships with people who didn't smoke because they didn't want to be around me because of the way I smelled or because of the way um, I acted wanting to have a cigarette every 20 minutes Mm. and not really thinking about anyone else except for myself and the cigarette smoking. This 55-year-old refers to herself as a career smoker, two packs a day for most of her adult life. She asked us not to use her name because she doesn't want to be labeled as a person with bipolar disorder. Smoking is common among people with mental illness. They buy about 40% of the cigarettes sold in the U.S., Quitting can be harder for people with a mental health diagnosis, and they can have trouble finding the help they need to kick the habit. The state used to fund smoking cessation programs geared toward people with mental illness, using funds it garnered from a class action suit against tobacco companies. That tobacco settlement money now goes entirely into the state's general fund. I eventually got myself put on oxygen, for um, COPD because the smoking was so intense. Nobody in in your whole care team talked to you about quitting. Nobody talked to me about quitting. They just gave me the lozenges and the patches, and it was all on me. Two stays at the Yale New Haven Psychiatric Hospital kept her smoke-free long enough that she felt inspired to quit. The second time, she managed to stay off cigarettes long-term. Caitlin Trauger, a social worker at Fellowship Place, offers one-on-one smoking cessation support and wishes it were more widespread. It saddens me that they don't have those services readily available to them because cigarettes are just such a big issue. I just spoke with a woman who you helped stay off cigarettes. She had been a smoker for nearly 30 years, and she told me that no clinician had ever encouraged her to quit. Is it not prioritized with people who have other serious issues that they're dealing with? I don't want to say that it's not prioritized, but if somebody's presenting very symptomatic or presenting super psychotic or very depressed, you want to kind of address the immediate and most, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the word I'm looking for, most um, prominent issue at that immediate moment. And also with smoking, it's kind of, the old adage of, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink mm-hmm. kind of thing. People who have mental illness are two to three times more likely to smoke than somebody who doesn't have a diagnosis. A lot of the times people will use that as a coping skill because maybe um, their limitations disable them to maybe see other options without help. Or sometimes people get so addicted to that nicotine that they truly believe this cigarette's the only thing that's going to make me feel better. You know, I get calls from all over the state of Connecticut um, asking about tobacco cessation check-ins. Yeah. I'm talking from far away, like Portland. Trogger helps people quit and stay off cigarettes using a number of tools, including a visual aid that shows them what cigarettes do to their lungs. On Tuesdays, I checked in with her. Uh-huh. 
and she she did some really helpful things. Like what? She showed me that big jar of nicotine. <laughs> that's that, impressive. No, that it, that's stinky and disgusting. Now, for people, obviously, we're we're audio. It looks like about two inches of molasses at the bottom of a large jar, which is the tar you'd have in your lungs after a year of smoking. And the other thing, too, was she broke down monetarily how much money I would be getting in a year. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have more money, but you don't see that right away all the time, mm -hmm. especially if you have bills in the car. I do get financial help from my family um, because I'm I'm in the 100% FPL when it comes to the Social Security disability. Mm -hmm. I'm on the bare minimum of everything. And the great thing about eating down here and coming down here to see Caitlin and stuff is you can come down here on Tuesdays. You can do Latin line dancing at 10. Just be around for a smoking sensation check-in. Mm -hmm. And then you could eat lunch and then you can leave. That kind of socialization is helping her stay off cigarettes. Being smoke-free is also improving her relationship with her family, something she prizes highly. They were all very happy that I quit smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Having my family positively reinforce that they're proud of me mm -hmm. and stuff like that and all the good work that I did and everything like that. But I still can't believe that I quit. That's pretty Looking impressive. Back on it. And, you know, you felt bad that you relapsed, but most people relapse a bunch of times before they finally quit. You only needed one tune-up. I'm afraid of my older sister. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of mine, too. Just keep trying if you want to quit. Because you can relapse and have as many screw-ups as you want. As long as you keep trying, you'll get it eventually. I'm Colleen Chaddix. The Workup is a production of the Connecticut Health Investigative Team. To read more about this and other stories, visit us at c-hit.org.